Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm Beth. And I'm Amy. We are Sisters Sisters Talking Talking in Circles. This is the time for you to enjoy your favorite beverage. And connect with us about the frantic lives we lead. Welcome to our circle. Hello, friends. This is episode 11. And today we are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Amen. Who else out there has a head cold or a stomach virus or migraines or PMS or allergies? I mean, everybody has allergies, especially if you live in Kentucky, right? Yes. Like people's noses are disgusting right now. I have caught some kind of stinking head cold and I don't know where it came from. It went into my chest. And you know how it is. Like you can't, I can't go to the doctor yet because if I go too soon, what are they going to say? Oh, it's a virus. Um, you just got to let it run its course, drink lots of fluids, and take zinc and vitamin C. I don't know what doctor talks like that. But anyway, so you have to wait till you're almost dead. So Tuesday, I'm going to the doctor for a checkup for something else. But I am totally, I'm not taking any medicine for 24 hours. I'm not going to shower. I'm going to, nice. I'm not going to try to do anything to make myself sleep. Like I'm, tr- I'm going to try to stay up all night. So I look as bad as possible because you all, I am not into natural remedies. I want the good drugs. Yeah. I want the cough medicine that's a narcotic. Like, I want the good drugs. Yeah. I'm with you. I do too. I mean, because they won't give it to you unless you're on your deathbed. Gone are the days you could call the pediatrician and say, hey, my kid's got a fever and their sibling had strep. Can we get some more medicine? That doesn't happen anymore. No. No, you can't do that. I get it. Sure, whatever. MRSA. Too many antibiotics. But mama wants the good drugs. Yeah. I got good health insurance. I deserve the good drugs. That's all I'm saying. I agree. I always struggle with going to the doctor too soon with me and my kids. I took Hunter a couple weeks ago because he has bad allergies anyway, but he does this thing, you know, where he snorts constantly, which he gets from his lovely Uncle Ben. And he was doing it twice as bad. And then he had this phlegmy cough that wouldn't go away. And this went on for like over a week. So it wasn't like I was rushing him to the doctor the day of. I t- finally take him. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to bite the bullet and take him. They're like, it's allergies. I'm like, yeah. But what can you give him that I'm not already giving him? They're like, nothing. Thank you. So I wasted my time an hour at the doctor's office for him to tell me that he has allergies. I already and, know that. And you exposed him to other people's germs. Yeah. Amy, what's wrong with you? I'm not real sure because (laughs) I don't go to the doctor unless I'm dying. This is some kind of stomach virus that's been going around work. This is day three of no food. I tried to eat some crackers a while ago and a piece of toast, and that's just wasn't very smart. So I'm hoping I will lose about 10 pounds. At least that would be something good that would come of this. But then one of my boys went to bed tonight and he was like, Mom, my belly hurts. And I was like, no, you'll be fine. you got to go to school. Yeah, because you know you're going to give it to your kids unless you stay in your room with the doors locked for two weeks, which, which no mother can do that. No. But a dad can. <laughs> yes, dads can. Yes, they can. Oh. And I actually want them to. Like, get away from me when you're sick. Right. It's just not right. Like. My husband, you know, he sleeps during the day, right? Because he works at night, not because he's lazy. Um, he sleeps during the day. <laughs> and I am so cautious about his sleeping. Like, there, you all, there are times when I will sit in my chair and read for four hours so as not to walk on the floor and wake him up ahead of time because I'm so concerned with his sleep. Yeah, because that's, that's the only reason you do that. 
I let the kids sleep as late as they want just so he gets enough sleep. Mm-hmm. But when he's feeling bad, I mean, he's walking around singing zippity doo dah and slamming doors and like tickling people and yelling <laughs> at the dog. And, and the kids like, they'll come in and be like, Mom, Mom. And I'm like, Yes, the dog needs more food. So I'm like, Okay, <laughs> then get some. I get. There was a time that I went through when my stomach was acting up all the time. And it took him forever to figure out what was going on with me. And I vomited a lot. And my kids were literally raised by Barty and Sesame Street. <laughs> oh, good. KET doesn't show any commercials. Have at it. And I just kept giving them more water in their sippy cups. And I, that's when I made the snack cabinet that's low to the ground that they can all get into. And it still yeah. is, even though it's too short for everybody. It's just like the way it is. Like, oh, the mom's sake, I still took Deuce to school and went through car line, puking out the window, and people probably thought I was an alcoholic or something. I don't even know, but you just got up and did it. Like, there wasn't an option. Yeah, well, what kills me is if I'm sick. Now, my husband is a germaphobe, so he doesn't want to come in the room. But my kids don't care. And so they will, even though he is in the other room, and sometimes, like, my mom is in the other room. Like, there are two adults, and they'll still come ask me where the scissors are. I'm like looking at him like, do you see the two people in the other room? They're like, what? I'm like, the two adults that are in there? Surely they can find scissors or a drink or whatever the crap it is that you think you might need. But yeah, as far as my husband goes, he won't come near me. He thinks I have some deathly terminal illness that is going to pass to him just by looking in his direction. So he doesn't come in here. But when he is sick, he, he tries to quarantine himself and I could care less. So, like, I'm in and out of the room because, I mean, it's my bedroom, too. And my stuff's in here. My clothes are in here. And he's like, don't come near me. I'm like, trust me. I'm not going to come near you. But she'll oh. freak out. <laughs> like, you can't control yourself. Oh, yeah, I'm like, trust me. I'm not, like, dying to hug you right now and make out. I just came in here to get my <laughs> shoes. But he can't handle it. He can't handle it. He just sits in here and, oh, my head. And everything is a big deal. And it's about all I can handle. I can't handle it. It's so loud, too. Like, we've already discussed that why men puke so loud. Yes. But they do everything loud. They blow their nose loud. They moan. Yes. Like, oh, I'm dying loud. Like, they look. Like, we can be really sick and still function and go out. And people might be like, oh, you look tired. You know, yeah. your eyes are a little heavy. But if men sneeze one time, their faces turn that weird sallow green color. And they get dark circles under their eyes. And they look like death. And I'm like, I don't understand. You're not even that sick. Yeah. I'm not very sympathetic. It's, it's no. horrible as far as being someone being sick. I, I'm like, suck it up. I don't care. Man Wait, up. Let's talk about the time that Aaron hurt himself. With the ribs? Yeah, yeah. I, I want you to tell the world that story. <laughs> okay, first of all, I do love my husband. And I do care if he gets legitimately hurt. But because he is somewhat of a germaphobe and hypochondriac, I feel like, I think he's he always complains to me about some muscle strain and I'm like shut up just walk it off whatever well I don't really don't remember what he did exactly I think he was on the roof fixing something at our old house and he complained about oh his side hurt and this hurt and I was like you just have a freaking pulled muscle shut up so he did ibuprofen and this was goes on for weeks and weeks and I'm like he's telling everybody Oh, my side hurts. Beth says I'm being a baby. I'm like, well, you are being a baby. So finally, I'm like, just go to the doctor so you'll shut up. So he goes and he has two broken ribs. (laughs) He was like, seriously, broken ribs. And I could not, I felt so bad. I still, of course, do that to him. But I felt so bad that I did not. Yeah, I mean, he, he still to this day will rub it in. So now, if he does something to himself, I can't, I try so hard like Beth. Do not 
because the minute you do, he'll be like, I have a broken neck. And you, <laughs> and it'll be all your fault for not recognizing it. But, I mean, like, as far as him being a germaphobe, if I'm sick, like, there was a time I had a stomach virus and was, and I do, I, if I have a stomach virus, I will stay in my room. Like, I'm not trying to spread that junk. So, I stay in my room, stay in my bathroom. I don't come out. You know, Aaron will bring me, like, he'll throw a bottle of water in the room. <laughs> so, he doesn't yeah, have to come in here. <laughs> but, when I did get better, this, this, I'm not sure how many t- years ago this was, like, maybe four. So when I finally got better, I take a shower, I bleach my bathroom, like I clean the whole room before I come out, wash and scrub all the bedding. So when I come out of the room, I am de-germed, if that's even a word. So I came out of the room, Aaron was in the kitchen, he still was like, don't touch me. And I was like, just chill out, I'm just walking by you to get something, I'm fine, it's been over 24 hours since I vomited, you know, whatever. He wouldn't come near me, he wouldn't come near me, and he wouldn't stop. Like every time I even stepped his direction, he would jump back. It got so annoying. So finally I went up to him and ran my hands all over his face, in his nose and ears, like, so I make sure I got all, all the germs all over him. And he was horrified. The look on his face was, that's it. I'm going to die. Tomorrow is my last day on earth. And of course, my parents were here and my mom, I thought she was going to wet her pants. She was laughing so hard. But he was so mad at me. Like, he can't handle it. He can't handle it. I think it's because he's not a mom. Maybe when, you, when you're a mom and you clean up your kid's Dude, you don't even all day. You just get used to it. You don't care about germs as much. No, think how many times you wipe a nose with like the bottom of your shirt. Yeah. Don't even think about it. It's funny because now, you know, I have this new job where I'm working with little, little, little ones again. So I thought that that stuff might start grossing me out now because it's been yeah. a while since my kids have wiped their faces on me. I came home the other day and I'd made the mistake of wearing a black t-shirt to work. And I came home and Jeremy's like, what is all over your shoulders? And they had all just wiped their noses on me all day. <laughs> And I was like, oh, it's not. It's kids not. Like, <laughs> but, no, that's true with the whole mom thing. You Like, when you have little kids, you don't even realize there's snot all over you. You don't realize the coughing in your face and cleaning up vomit. I mean, yeah, you'll wash your hands if you clean them up. But at the same time, you're probably not getting everything. But I, I never knew when my kids were little, especially. I never knew, you know, were they sick? Were they not sick? Should I send them to preschool? Should I not? Should I take them here? Especially this time of year. Because there's so many stupid activities. People will be like, if you're sick, stay home. Okay, here's the deal. If you're running a fever and you know it, yes, stay home. If you threw up on the way to the event, yes, stay home. However, if you have a head cold, unless you feel miserable or your kid feels miserable, I'm not expecting you to stay home. And, and, you know, grandma's not going to be real happy if you miss all the family holiday events because someone's allergies were acting up. Yeah. And to be honest, if I did stay home every time somebody in our family had a head cold or an allergies, we wouldn't leave the house from like middle of October until February. And you I can't. mean, I'm not trying to spread all kinds of germs, but at the same time. But here's the other yeah. thing. I wish my kids would somehow get on the boat of getting sick together. But what they do is one will get sick and then 72 hours, the other one will get sick. So like we'd be quarantined for four weeks straight. Definitely. And we've so. done that before with the stomach virus. Like it just moves yeah. down our family and it's horrifying. It is. it is very gross. Like Hunter puked in people's yards one Halloween. We were trick or treating. <laughs> Beth was like, "You're getting the trick." Yeah, like he went to their house and he acted fine. He actually is my trooper kid. Like he will never yeah. tell you if he's sick. So he Which acted is- fine, and he and he loves candy, so he would do things for candy. And so he's at like the first house, and he's like, "Okay, get to the third house." He's like, "Huh?" He literally w- just turned his head to their bushes and hurled. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> so we're sick." And so. <laughs> Aaron's like, I'll take him home. He starts walking away, and then Hunter runs over to the next house, pukes in their yard. He hit three yards before we got him in the van to take him home. 
I was like, okay, so we're leaving. Of course, me and Helena were like, well, we'll just stay. Whatever. We're probably fine. We probably don't we're have good. it. We're good. Tonight, we went to Trunk or Treat at church, and the boys kept going, but mom, you feel bad, so why are we going? I'm like, that's just what moms do. Do you want to go? They're like, yes, we don't want to not do it this year. Well, then that's why we're going. I will suck it up, and I will go. So we get there. I'm holding my nephew, and he pees. And he pees out his outfit and all (laughs) over my cute little pumpkin shirt. He's uh, 13 months, 14 months. So I had this nice big pee spot, at least my shirt. It was black and had a big orange pumpkin on it. So it was kind of camouflaged. But my dad was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you had him. (laughs) He didn't pee on me. And he was like, are you okay? Do you need to go to the house and change clothes? No, it's just a little pee. I have pee on me every day at work. I don't, I'll be fine. <laughs> it's just bodily fluids. That reminds me of Hunter. I never want to exchange bodily fluids. I'll just puke in your bushes. <laughs> now, but here's the thing. I can handle it. This is what's weird. I can clean up puke all day, but I hate dealing with a nasty diaper. No, I'd rather do the diaper than the puke. The snotty vomit. Oh, I can't. Yeah, do not me one bit. Never has. Oh, see, it does bother me. I remember when um, if my kids got really sick and hurled, like, before they ever learned to make it to the bathroom. I, I, the whole time I'd be cleaned up, I would just be dry heaving. Like, it was a total disaster. When I was pregnant with Hunter, I was sick literally every day, all day long. And so, Landon just got used to me puking all the time. And so, he was not even two. And so, there was, I remember one morning, I'd already called mom. So I was like, I knew him, I, I wasn't going to make it through the day. I mean, I was brutal so I'm in the bathroom in our half bath at our other house and I'm hurling and I realize he's standing beside me and I look up and he is spitting on my hair <laughs> and I said what are you doing he goes mommy I pooped too I pooped too I'm like get away from me oh he's being supportive he joining me. <laughs> I'll puke with you mom yeah in your hair thank you <laughs> he's hold. that was his version of holding your hair back yeah well, I'm over it. I'm over all the sickness. It's just started. What about your house, Amy? How's your house been doing this whole time when you've been sick? Oh, the boys got in bed tonight and they were like, Mom, where are the clothes for this week? Because I put all their clothes in the closet. They have all five days of outfits in their closet. There's nothing in there. They're like, where are our clothes? By the time you wake up, you'll have one outfit in your closet. Yeah. So that's what I'm running around tonight trying to get done. Is all the laundry, all the cleaning, that. You know, just doesn't happen. It does when mom is sick. Now James has been great. Like he's fixed food and he's kept everybody alive and he's cleaned to what he thinks it should be. But it's yeah. just there's still a lot that needs to be done over my two days of of freedom on Saturday and Sunday that I clean and cook and wash clothes like crazy that just didn't get done. And that's fine. It will all get done. But you could throw a load of clothes in the laundry, <laughs> and he would. He would totally do it if I said, hey, babe, can you go put the whites in the laundry? He would go do it and be happy with it. And he tonight was like, I will go to the store and buy you a baked potato if you think you can eat a baked potato. He would do anything to take care of me. But it's the things that I just don't think people or husbands and kids know all the things that moms do because you just do it. And and they don't realize that it's more than 15 minutes for me to get everybody's clothes ready for the whole week. And if James doesn't have to do that, he doesn't know. He yeah. probably doesn't even know where the clothes are. No, I'm with you. Yeah, there are a, a lot of things, even my kids who are older, but there's still a lot of things I do every day, like in school routine in the mornings. And so if I'm not the one doing it, even if it's 
Aaron or his mom or my mom, they just don't know. And so it's a constant, if I'm trying to do something else or if I'm sick or whatever, I feel like I'm constantly yelling from my bedroom, forget their allergy pill and vitamins before they leave, or don't forget Hunter's lunch or don't forget, because no one else thinks about all those little things that I have like a checklist in my head. So right. yeah, it doesn't get done like you, like you would do it, especially. Yeah. When I'm sick, I mean, I get really behind on my book reading. I know bit. you do. And no one can do that for you. No, they can't. No. Because that is, when I'm sick, I don't want to read. I just want to watch TV. That's how I know Me I don't neither. feel good. I don't want to read at all. I just want to watch TV because I usually don't want to watch TV. But That's usually when I watch like four movies back to back when I'm sick. Yeah. Well, when I've, where I've been sick and been taking cold medicine, because I, you know, one Benadryl knocks me out. Okay. Like <laughs> I am a wuss when it comes to cold medicine. I've just, I've just been out of it all the time. And so I can't even read. So I'm really behind. I got like three books due this week at the library. So I'm gonna have to get on it. You're such a yeah. slacker. I am. It's pretty bad. Speaking well, of books. We're going to segue into this in an incorrect way, probably. But when <laughs> you're sick or stuck in the house or it's cold, right? And then you have your nice coffee or your hot tea or whatever it is you drink or your bourbon. <laughs> if you are looking for a very good book to read, the three of us all read the same book. And we all, I don't even want to say loved. I want to say we're astounded by this book. Yes. Fangirls. Like, I feel like when you say that, people think of like, you know, like a... Leanne Moriarty or Joey Picoult or Jennifer Weiner, like all their books, which yeah. I love, yeah. but that's not how this is. So this is, is much called. more poetic and I don't mean it's poems. I don't mean it that way. No, it's not poems. No, no. Let's say what the book is. So the book okay. is called The Summer That Melted Everything. It's by Tiffany McDaniel and it's her first book that she had published. I think it came out in 2016. I don't know why I picked this book. Like I picked it for a book club we're all in, but I don't know who recommended it to me. I really don't. Um, I don't. Yeah. I know for sure it wasn't one of those books that somebody was like, Sarah, you would love this book. You have to read it. This is one of those books that I would recommend to someone with a lot of warnings. Definitely. Because not because not like triggers, but warnings because okay, like if you want a book that ends where everybody dances off into the sunset, <laughs> if you want a book that's chock full of romance, nope, it's not a feel good book at all. Now, if you want a book that makes you think about things, if you want a book that makes you instantly want to reread it, like this is one of those books you could dissect forever. Yeah. Because the the names have meanings and the storylines have meanings. And it makes you think about the way you view like other races and people with disabilities and like all of this stuff, because it just turns everything you've thought on your head. And but that's what I mean by being poetic. Like, I don't mean it's yes. poetry or flowery language, oh. but there's so many layers to every storyline. And there's so many layers to the characters and to each individual chapter. Like, you could go back and you said it makes you think. It makes you, I don't know. It's just. Beautifully. Like, it yeah. is. Her words. I feel like she sat for 10 minutes and chose every word almost. Like, I'm not. Yes. There's not. There's not too many words. There's not too few words. Everything is described perfectly. And Amy, you listened to it, correct? I did. Yes. And, yeah. and the audio version was great, right? I loved it. I had to speed it up because of the narrator. And the narrator was just had a really slow draw to his voice. And I had to speed it up. But other than that, I loved it. Well, a friend of ours, Siobhan, said that she loved the voice because it reminded her of her stepdad. Like that real big Southern draw. And so she said, I so enjoyed listening to it. Like, so she didn't speed it up because she wanted it to last forever. I thought that was adorable. But that's, I love when a book has a good narrator. That makes such a big difference when it's audio. Yes, the guy was fabulous. I need to figure out who it was. But I, most of the books I listen to are women reading. 
This mm-hmm. is probably one of the first ones that I've had a male narrator. And I yeah. really, I enjoyed it. I really liked the character development in the book. Like it just, she just kept explaining multiple characters. And there was just more to each of them every time she would add a new detail. I've been researching for tonight because I'm super pumped to talk about this book. So here's one of my favorite quotes ever in any book now. But it's from this book. People always ask, why does God allow suffering? Why does he allow a child to be beaten, a woman to cry, a Holocaust to happen, a good dog to die painfully? Simple truth is he wants to see for himself what we'll do. He stood up the candle, put the devil at the wick, and now he wants to see if we blow it out or let it burn down. God is suffering's biggest spectator. God. I mean, how do you write something like that? I don't know. I can't. I can't. I do too. Lots of times with books, you know, people read so much crap into it, and I'm like, well, maybe they were just trying to write about somebody who went to the mall, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. I, but this book, I could diagram it. Like, I want, yes, yeah, I want to go back and read and take notes. Like, I mean, how long were we on Marco Polo that night when we were all three talking about it? Like, an hour and a half. I know. And the minute you think you know about a certain character, you don't. You don't. She flips it over, and you are like, what? Like all the, because of all the different layers to all the different characters. Like I was shocked more than once throughout the book. And you think, oh, now I get it. And like the end, I didn't see that end coming. Nope. And even when the end came, I didn't see it coming. Like I thought, oh, that's the end. And then something else happened. I was like, what? Yeah. Like I was shocked, but it, it ended sad as the book is in general, just all throughout their sadness and lots of just grief and hate and all this stuff. But it, you know, it kind of ended like it should have. I mean, I hate to say that, but. But like I said, the way, the premise of the book, and I'm, I can't, I'm not going to go way deep because you can't give stuff away. But the premise of the book is there is a gentleman in this town of Breathitt, Ohio, and he is a lawyer. And he has issues with Satan and heaven, mainly because of his upbringing. And so he writes a letter and puts it in the paper. He writes an open letter to the devil, inviting him to come to Breathitt. And this character's name is Autopsy. And so Autopsy writes this letter and invites the devil to come. And a boy shows up. It's the summer of 1984. And it's Ohio, but it's in Appalachia. And this young African-American boy shows up, about 13. He doesn't have any money. He's, you know, filthy and no shoes. And he introduces himself to Autopsy's son, Fielding, as the devil. He says, your dad wrote a letter and invited me, and here I am. And so you spent the whole book... Being like, really? That's the devil? Yeah, is he the devil? Is this like, what? Uh, yeah, I was so trying to figure it out. The hottest summer ever that Ohio has ever experienced. And so the whole town is kind of going crazy with the heat. And so some people in town think he is the devil and he's bringing all this grief. And then, you know, Fielding's family's like, no, he's not. He's now part of our family. He doesn't have anyone. And so, like, all of this stuff. And he's very, um, he's an old soul. The, the little boy's wise beyond his years. Yeah. Anyway, and there's just all these, but then there's all these other storylines. You know, there's like Autopsy and his wife storyline and the older brother storyline. And then, you know, Elohim and all the, all those people. I mean, yeah, uh, several townspeople have their own storyline. And they're very, and you can't figure out how they all fit, but that, until the end, and then it does all fit. But I'm telling you right now, if you have to have a happy ending, do not read this book. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. But... If you want a thought-provoking read, but one that doesn't use, like, lots of times I think people shy for books that sound thought-provoking because they think they use, like, so many big words and you're going to have to have a dictionary beside it. 
No. No, this is not that way at all. This is literary fiction at its finest. That is exactly what I feel. Like, the yeah. fact that this girl came out with this book first, I don't even think she was 30 when, it, when she wrote it, and, and touched on all these things, and she never really gives you, like, it's not one of those books that at the end you're like, this is right and this is wrong. No. Thinking, no. dude, <laughs> what is, you know? And, you, and you, got, you have to look at yourself and think, why, why did I think it was this way? What does that say about me as a person to assume this, this, and this? Spectacular book, that's all I have to say. It really is. And she says, that article we read about her, I mean, she's written several other books, but none of them have been published. And I'm like, come on. Tiffany, Tiffany, honey, send me the book. Sarah, I'll pay to have it published. (laughs) You are fantastic. Like, I can't. And, and, you know, we have friends that wrote it and didn't get into it. I think you have to be in the right frame of mind. I really do. To read it. Yeah, there's just a ton of serious issues in in one book. So it's going to touch on something that's going to really bother yes. you yes. at some point because there's so many different issues and it's all there's, one book. There's racism, there's homosexuality, there's child abuse, there's spousal abuse. Miscarriage. There, yes, agoraphobia. Like, there's so many things, but the um, mob mentality, like. But it's just, a, it's not a happy, like it is a no. bleak kind of dark. Yes. It's just bleak. I think bleak is a good descriptor. It's not, there's not a it's lot. Especially read it, which is, I think sometimes you read bleak books and you're like, dang, what's the point in all that? This one has a point because it makes you Absolutely. think. Yeah. Anyway, The Summer of the Melted Everything, Tiffany McDaniel, amazing book. I will definitely say it is my favorite book of 2019, hands down. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I've read a lot this year. It's very odd for me to find a book that doesn't remind me of any other book. And I will say this. she, Her style of writing does remind me of Flannery O'Connor. But Flannery's more grotesque than she is. But still. Oh, she, yeah. Kind of that. The way she just the names. You know how, like, all the names mean something. And all the, everything has a meaning. That's how Flannery is, too. But her Flannery's characters are a lot easier to hate. Because that's something else about this book. It's hard to hate them. Yeah. Like, I seriously, I think I have to go find it right now and read it again. We need to take a weekend and get a cabin in Gatlinburg and all of us take our own copy and then just not speak and read it the whole time. And then just keep reading parts out loud to each other. Yeah, <laughs> highlight take, all our favorite parts. my post-it notes. Yeah. Yeah. We are the biggest dorks ever, if that's our idea of fun. That's okay. Thanks for joining us in wrapping up October. How did we already wrap up October? Because it's, it flew by. I don't understand. Okay, anyway. Join us next week for our first episode of November and when we start our series called Handling the Holidays. We're going to try and get you all through the holidays with a few laughs and not all the wine. Yeah, just a little.